You, your product, your service, you are not leading the pack. That's right. You are in second place or worse. You are considered a challenger brand. I don't know anybody that likes to get into this business to be in second place. Sure, you're happy when you're just starting off. You just are pleased to be invited to the dance. But quickly, very quickly, you realize that you are into this to become number one. You have a big idea that you want to see successful. So being in that challenger space, super frustrating. How do you get past it? What do you do? What do you do as a product or service to get to be number one? Well, that is the topic of today's podcast. Challenger Brands, how to become number one. Welcome to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Wills. Todd Wills. All right, welcome to the Toddcast. Today, it is all about Challenger Brands. It's that product, that service, that place that you're in where you're just not number one and you're trying to find your way to that. So today, we're gonna go deep, we're gonna talk about How'd you find yourself in this space? How do you get out of it? What do you do? What are the steps you take? And how do you get to be first in your category? How do you get to lead? So this is really after a year of talking to 70 founders, advisors, mentors on what it takes to become a leader in the space. Now, some of them have done it three or four times and have failed along the way. A few others, this is their first time at the rodeo and they're fumbling their way through it. And a few have been doing this for years and have led a series of successful best in category, best in breed brands, products, and services. So we've got a mix. We've got an amalgam of people that have done this throughout time, history, and certainly in and around Silicon Valley. So let's talk about what it's like to be in that challenger space. How do you get there? How'd you find yourself there? How do you start to get out of it? Well, first, as we said in the beginning of the podcast, no one really likes being in that second tier space. Sure, you're you're happy when you're just starting out. You're just getting things going. You're considered as an RFP. You're considered as a maybe a category. You're considered by one of the analysts. A customer starts talking about you as a potential, and you're pleased to even be invited. You're happy to be considered for consideration for that customer. That quickly loses its shine. After a very short period of time, most companies that I talk to, certainly over the course of my career, but certainly over the last year as we were doing the investigation for the book, really did not like being in that space. Um, It was almost worse being considered and not chosen. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride, if that old chestnut still holds weight these days. No one liked being in that space. So how do you get yourself out of it? Well, first, what most brands, companies, products, services, organizations will do is start to flail around and think, if we just add a new feature, that it's this one thing that needs to be resolved. It's the symptom, not the disease. So sales will come to the product organization and say, Here's what we heard. We heard this one thing, and if we just had that, we'd be able to win, close this deal, move our brand, our product, or service ahead. So typically, you end up flailing wildly, trying to find your way to fit into all of the needs of your various customers. Second is, you start going to price. Now, this is a dangerous game because there's only one winner for lowest price, and you don't want to be that person. So you reduce price, you reduce 
your series, you reduce your offerings, you reduce things until you get down to a place where you feel like you're almost giving it away to try and get somebody to buy. And maybe you do. Maybe you do find yourself winning, but you're not going to grow. You're not going to add value. You're certainly not going to add revenue if you keep finding your way to get to the bottom quicker than the other guy. So you start adding services, you start adding features, you start adding things on top. You certainly go in and you start changing pricing models. And then the last piece is you start to turn to marketing. If you'd only talk about this differently, if we had a different way of messaging it, if we could talk about ourselves in a different, unique way, we're not connecting and connecting with our customers. And there may be some truth to that. It may be as simple as you're not messaging them to the right way and the right in the right manner. They don't understand the service. They don't understand where it fits. All of these things are symptoms to the bigger problem. When you find yourself in this non-category leading position, you find yourself as the challenger. You find yourself as the, the sexy upstart, but you're not quite there. The thing you've got to look at is, do you really have a fit for your product in the marketplace? That's right. We're going back to product market fit. And that may seem like something you've done a long time ago, something you've really resolved in the early stages of your company. But you've built a product, a service, you've built a brand, you've built a reputation around things that you do and know how to do really, really well. But for whatever reason, you're not connecting with the marketplace, you're not connecting with your buyer, you're not connecting with that customer. And so you have to go back to your roots. What is it that we're offering? What is it that we do better than anybody? And is there a customer base for this? And is a customer like, delight, and enjoy the product or service that we have to offer? Now, the old saying around here is that you have a solution in search of a problem. So typically what will happen is you'll find yourself with this really great solution, this really great product or service, and then you're trying to find a way to make it fit into the marketplace. What you need to do at this stage is go back and start talking to your customers. Who is it that really wants to buy? Who is it that has bought? What did they like? What did they enjoy? Now start looking at what's out there in the marketplace. Look at your prospects. Look at what the market can bear. Who else is playing in the space? And where do you want to be? And what does your customer want? Now this can sound like a long-term, multi-tiered, uh, resource-intensive project. But typically, if you're selling to a couple hundred customers a year, you're more of a B2B player, go talk to five, go talk to 10. Parse it out to a variety of different executives or key leaders in the organization. Have them sit down and do recorded 60, 90 minute conversations with a few customers or a few would-be customers. Why did you buy? Why didn't you buy? What do you like? What don't you like? What does it solve for you? What are the problems that you're having? And you'll find pretty quickly that you get a better understanding of what's really happening in the marketplace. Sure, market data is fantastic, and you want to get all the analytics you can, and you want to get all the research you can, and that'll give you a good top-level macro view. But that micro view of talking to a few key customers, boy, that is worth its weight in gold. And so have those quick conversations with a few customers. Now, if you're more of a consumer brand, well, you're talking to thousands of customers a day or thousands of customers a year. You know, talking to five of them might not do just enough for you. But I would still go in and have enough of those conversations and marry it with some of that more macro data and see what you can understand about your customer base, about those prospects and what's happening in the marketplace. 
And I'll give you a quick example. Working with a customer over the or a company over the last year, I had an opportunity to sit down and work with them as they were brokering their way into the travel space. They had a pretty well-established brand, but they were trying to find their way into a new market, uh, new market segment. And they had some misperceptions about what those people were trying to do, how they were trying to travel, what that really meant for them, what was important to them. And it became clear from seven, maybe 10 conversations over the course of a couple of weeks that they had the wrong buyer within those organizations, that they were not talking their language, that the product features and services that they had um, offered for some of their, call it white collar business travelers, your traditional business traveler that was looking for perks for their travel, um, wasn't really cutting it for who they were and what they needed in the marketplace. And so as they went into this new market, everything that they thought they knew was, well, wrong. And so by changing some of the products, by changing some of the offerings, by adapting to what those customers were really looking for, and then fundamentally changing the messaging around it, they were able to get at a higher price point to reduce the barrier of entry. They were able to go in and close deals quicker or more seamlessly. They had fewer touch points along the way, and it really revolutionized their um, resistance into the marketplace. It was like moving through air versus moving through molasses. And suddenly everything changed from them just off the basis of several quick but insightful conversations. Now, is that going to work every time? Actually, it probably is. And it might sound fairly simplistic, but it really does work that way. So now you found yourself in a challenger space. You were trying to find your way out of it. Well, start talking to your customers and hearing what they have to say and what it is that they want. Second, once you've decided to do that and you have that insight, you have to decide how to marry that versus the customer's needs. You may be wildly out of base. You could be completely in left field compared to what the market really wants to bear. And you as a leadership team have to make a decision, is that the market? Is that the marketplace that we want to go after? Quickly start to align what it is that you can offer versus what your customers really want. Now, typically, you'll be fairly close and you'll have to make a few adjustments, but it shouldn't be anything too radical. After all, you did get into this business because you had a great idea. You did have an understanding of who your customer was. It's just not connecting. And so you need those few little tweaks along the way to help realign yourself, to recenter yourself for what's really happening in the marketplace. Now, one of the things that's interesting here is I hear from a lot of brands, a lot of companies that have an established market, maybe they've acquired somebody, or they've developed an ancillary product line. They've gone from, you know, helping help desks and call centers to just doing general meetings was one company that I worked with. Uh, I've worked with a couple that have built a product that was just sort of one step removed from the original marketplace they were after. But what they did was try and just rubber stamp their way, meaning they took what they had, they added something, they made a change. Maybe they went after a new marketplace or a new buyer. Maybe they went downstream and they went from large enterprise into small, medium business, or they went the other way. But they tried to take what they had and just replicate it, slap it in and put a new sticker on it and try and sell it. And that never really works because, frankly, the consumer, the buyer, has so much choice in the marketplace and they can smell something like that a mile away. They can tell when nothing is really connecting to them and isn't a product or service that's really geared toward them but something you're trying to push down their throats. 
And so those products, those services, those efforts don't really sell. They don't do well in the marketplace. So if you find yourself not in a place where this is something brand new and this is your first time trying to find it connected to a customer, but something that you've created as an additional product line, service, or offering, you have to go through the same process. What is it that my customer wants, needs, and desires? What will delight and enthuse them? What will get them excited about this as a service? Now, one of the things that I saw today that really connected with me was a CIO named Tim Crawford. Shout out to Tim. Tim had this great quote. If you were to take your slide deck of your product and services, your pitch, if you will, and you were to go in and put your competitor's logo on that, would you see any difference between what your competitor offers and what you offer? So think of it this way. If you're going out to the marketplace and you could just swap the logo on, would your customer be able to tell the difference between you and what your competitor does? And what I found working with a lot of companies is if we were to play that game and just swap logos, there's really fundamentally no difference between what we were saying and what our competitors were saying. And so the customer, why would they make the choice? Well, they'll probably make the choice because of price. We've already covered that. Price is no bueno. It is not the way to go. So how do you make those differentiations? By understanding what your customer wants, needs, and desires, and going back to this idea of what is it that my customer needs and how do I connect there? Now, it sounds like I'm harping on the same thing over and over and over again, but it's because most companies and brands forget this along the way and start promoting the thing that they like. If you listen to the Toddcast Fear of Founders podcast, it's a lot to say right there. If you listen to that one, you heard that in the middle, fear is making no changes whatsoever. It is this idea of... Uh, uh, the gambler's dilemma. And that's basically saying we've picked a path and come hell or high water, we're going to follow it. We're not making any changes. And this is one of the things that a lot of brands do. We've invested time, effort, and energy in our product, services, and offerings. We've created an entire ecosystem around this. Why would we change? Well, you change because you are not leading category. You are not leading the charge. In fact, you are in second or worse place and you are not making those connections. And so it's time to take a deep, hard look at yourself and see what is it that we can change along the way. So you've made this change. You've found these great ideas for new direction. You've talked to your customers. Now you need to start implementing those. And as you go through this process, well, there's a couple ways to do this. One, certainly price. Second is to change your features service offerings. Now along the way, you can decide to change the way your product and services is used and utilized in the marketplace. You can make some changes into the features that you offer. And then the last is you can make a change into how you're messaging and packaging this so that your customer understands what it is you're saying, what it is you're selling, what it is you're offering, and how they can use and utilize it in their daily lives. Now, what'll typically happen here is most people will believe that their product or service is so good that they will just allow the customer to see it. They'll push that on them and the customer will completely understand that this is the most amazing thing ever. And suddenly they need this product better than anything or more than anything. The reality is that is seldom true. It worked for things like the iPhone. It worked for Steve Jobs. It worked for a few other brands, but most of the time, the customer needs to be the one pulling it instead of us pushing it on them. 
And so as you think about repackaging this, as you think about repositioning what it is and what you offer, start thinking about what it is that the customer wants, not it is what you have to sell. That's a difficult mindset for most companies because you're proud and excited about the thing that you have to offer. But what we found is if you actually connect with your customer and listen to them and what it is that they will delight and excite in, you'll understand very quickly that the customer is king, that they are making the decisions, and it's your job to present and serve this up to them. And so while you're having those conversations with customers, you can also start to think about the language that they're using and how you can package and position this to them. One of the things I love most about being on C-Suite Radio is our sponsors. That's right. The people that advertise on this network, they believe in what we're doing so much that they are willing to put their money, their brands, everything behind who and what we are. So with that, I would like to introduce you to this valuable product. Please take a quick listen and then we'll be back in just a minute. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. That was not too painful. And again, we are so proud of our sponsors here on C-Suite Network. We would love to get back to the conversation on challenger brands on this week's podcast. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. Just doing the packaging and positioning may not be enough. So where we start to work with brands, have conversations and help them to realign and connect with the market is to sit down and have a series of these conversations and turn those conversations into meaningful content. Now look, everybody's pimping content these days. But what I find is that most brands will promote content for the sake of content. It's conversation for the sake of conversation. It's it's putting a lot of content and information out there that doesn't really move the needle. If you're really serious about this and you want to move yourself from a challenger brand into that pole position spot, you want to lead that category, you want to be the de facto brand that everybody comes to because you have the best product and service and they know it, well, then you need to sit down and start figuring out how is it that we need to talk to them and who else needs to talk to them. And so this is where you change the palette a bit. You'll decide to change things around where you'll have the conversation with the executives, you'll have the conversations with the customers, then have some conversations with key influencers and leaders in the space. Who else is in the marketplace that's talking about this and who are your customers listening to? They may be a blogger, they may be an Instagram influencer, they may be an analyst, they may be just an influential customer or leader in the space. But find those couple of people and figure out what they're talking about and how they're talking about it and enjoy a conversation with them so that you, one, are on their radar, two, you're actually hearing and listening from them on what they're seeing in the marketplace and using that to tweak what it is you're saying. And as you start to collect these conversations, and hopefully you have an opportunity to record them, now you can start to use this as the basis for your conversation Here's what customers like you are saying. Here's what our industry leading executives are saying. Here's what the marketplace is talking about. And here's what the key people in the marketplace are saying. And now you've moved from just creating content to education. You've helped to educate the marketplace in a way that is unique, rich, and different than what else is happening in the space. 
Now, customers have moved beyond what they were doing in the past, which was collecting information or just collecting features. They've moved into a space where they are becoming expert in their discipline, and there is a rich tapestry of information out there that's allowing them to do this. If you can be part of that solution by providing them great customer insights, influencer insights, your leadership insights, and insights about what's happening in the marketplace, you will quickly find yourself in a position where you are being included in that RFP, you're being included in that buying decision, you're being included in the conversation on whether they should use, delight, and enjoy your product or service. So we're gonna slightly recap here and go back before we finish off. You find yourself in a challenger position, Well, go out and find out what's happening in the marketplace, what's happening with your customers, reevaluate what it is that you have to offer. Look at those things of pricing, features, and messaging to make a decision, are you connecting with your customer base? Now go in and have those conversations with customers, with the marketplace, with influencers, and with your leaders. Record those and turn those into a series of meaningful conversations. And as you do that, repackage and reposition your product or services to meet the needs of what's happening in the marketplace. Now, if you can start to do those things, you will move rather quickly from being the challenger into a leader in the space. But it's not that easy. First, it's easy to go in and make those subtle changes. It's easy to go in and have that quick conversation What's hard, what's most difficult, is a brand or service's willingness to change. To say I'm going to do this because I want to be number one is easy. To actually go do it is hard. And the hard part is you're asking a company, even if it's five people, or it's 50, or it's 500, or it's 5,000, you're asking them to change course and direction to think of a new way of approaching the marketplace. And sometimes these changes are subtle. It's just a different way of talking about who you are. Sometimes it's just price. A lot of times it's a combination of that plus features and services. But no matter what it is, you're asking people to make a fundamental shift and change. And so as leaders, it's your responsibility to bring those people along for the ride. If it's three other people in the company, you need to sit down and make sure that they are educated and on board with this new direction. If it's 300, you need to do the same thing. And guess what? It's a lot harder moving from three to 30 to 300 to 3000. It becomes exponentially more difficult to bring those people along for the ride. And most sophisticated leaders that I was talking to over the course of last year realize that it's really challenging to do this later on in terms of age or size of company that if you can make this adjustment as early as possible with the fewest number of people impacted, you have a much better chance of success than trying to wait and do this later. And so we've seen this with large companies where they go through these culture shifts, where they have these huge initiatives where they're trying to change the course and direction of the culture of the company. And it really stems from just not having this product market fit and not leading in the space. So as you think about making this change, don't just change the product or service, don't just change the sales organization, don't just change the messaging with the marketing team. Um, You need to rethink what's happening across the entire organization, finance, operations, 
product engineering, service and success, um, even your support and infrastructure teams in the organization. Everybody through the company needs to feel like they're a part of this entire shift and need to understand why you're making it, where you're going, where the company's heading, and how they have a vested interest in this going forward. If you're able to do that and make this change with your customer, then you've got a real chance of success of being able to move the needle and move from a challenger brand into a category king. If you're only able to do part of this, well, you know, that's lipstick on a pig. You may be able to make some changes when a few customers make some fundamental shifts, help to maybe meet your numbers for a quarter or two, but ultimately you're going to be unsuccessful, if not downright fail, in your ability to change the course and direction of your company. But the organizations that can do this from a cultural perspective and actually bring people along for the ride, that they feel like they were part and parcel of the decision-making process, that they feel like they know, understand, and embody the new direction of their brand, product, or service, well, those are the companies that are in it to win it. They're the ones that are going to make a fundamental change and start to creep up and start to take over and become category kings. So... As you're thinking about this as a process, don't just think about, well, if we change price, don't just think about if we just add a service and don't just think about, well, if we could just change the way we talk about this on the website, all of those things are just symptoms to the larger disease. And if you go in and have those conversations, record those conversations, make that education public to your customers and your prospects, and then go and bring your your culture, your people along for the ride, well, that is a recipe for success. Unfortunately, few and far between brands actually go in and follow that advice. Are you going to be different? Are you going to make the change? I certainly hope so. So if you found yourself in a challenger position, here is how to dig yourself out of that hole. Happy hunting, wishing you every success. Let us here at foundersplace.co know if we can help you along the way. We're happy to sit down, talk to teams, come in, have a conversation with you, or even just go a little deeper in everything we talked about here. If you are interested in learning how to do this for yourself, well, I would recommend a fantastic book. The reason it's a fantastic book is because, well, I wrote it. It's called Beyond Product. Beyond Product is a conversation that we had over 70 executives in Silicon Valley over the course of last year to help understand what is the process of taking something from that big idea, that thing you think about at a Starbucks, all the way through to the end, that time of exit, whether it's because you've been wildly successful, whether you've moved on to something else, whether it's time for you to mosey on out partner, or whether you have just failed and you've decided to go do it all again. That entire process from ideation to exit is covered in the book and is packed with great information, tips, tricks, and tactics, and will also tell you how to hire and bring great resources along for the ride to help you live that vision. Beyond Product is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at bookstores near you starting on May 7th. That's right, May 7th. You can also get the first chapter compliments of us here at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co, the place where exceptional founders grow. Thanks again for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast on Challenger Brands. Look forward to the next series as we start talking about investors and the people with the money. What is it they care about? 
why are they in it, and what do they do to help you be successful, but ultimately help themselves. All right, that's it for now. Enjoy and have a great week. You've been listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.